to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sign or a tear can abide while we trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey not a burden we bear not a sorrow we share but our toll he doth quickly repay 
Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Oh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Last verse. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. You may be seated. All righty. Well, turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Romans chapter number 16. Romans chapter number 16. I'm going to preach, uh, I really do believe, uh, just one more out of the book of Romans, and this will be our last one. Uh, I know that I have said a lot of things about the end of a book, and I will tell you this as I close this book out, that I'm not going all the way to the very end uh, of the book. Getting all mixed up. Here we go. Uh, but I'm going to stop at verse number 20. And uh, if you go through 21 and, and you wanted to do that later, there are definitely some really good uh, foundational truths that come out of that whenever they're saying uh, those closing remarks. And I've preached on those before, uh, and that's really good to do. But we're going to make our focus in Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. And if you remember last Wednesday night, we took a look at verses 1 all the way down through uh, verse number 16, and as we did that, we saw that Paul was greeting all those people, uh, and we didn't look at all the people, but we looked at what they were doing, and we looked at the things that they did. And if you remember, we uh, preached a message on what it takes to make a church. We basically were like, look, these people came along, and they had this church there, and they built it, and these were the things that they were doing. It absolutely made that church work. And there was a lot of really good things. If you didn't listen to it or if you weren't here last week, you can go online and find it. But we've talked about those. And so tonight, though, we're going to go verses 17 through 20. And like I said, we were there what it takes to make a church. And tonight, well, I, let me back up because I wanted to say this. We came to the conclusion that the things that it takes to make that church, which isn't a grand conclusion, we already knew it, is people, right? And we looked at the people and all the roles that they fill, all the things that they do, God putting those things together, what a great blessing it is. And also God letting all of those people be involved in our life and what joy that brings and all the different relationships that he puts in our life. So tonight, though, we're going to go from Romans 17 to verse number verse number 20, and we're going to talk about what it takes to ruin a church, okay? So last week was what it takes to make a church. This week is what it takes to ruin a church. And you know what it is? 
people, people, okay? So we're going to look at it and we're going to go, well, who is he talking about and what's going on? Because whether you realize it or not, you have the ability to make or break the church that you're in. That's what it's about. It's not about uh, necessarily, the, necessarily the leadership. While that needs to be there, it can make or break it too because they are people who are leading. But also, it falls down onto us. It falls down onto some of the things that he's uh, bringing about here. And so we're going to look at this. Romans 16, verse number 17. Read with me if you would. The Bible says this. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have ye have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the uh, just ability again to come in tonight and, uh, and look into your word. We pray that you would help us tonight. Dear God, it's amazing as Paul closes out his book, as he's been preaching so uh, earnestly and, and doing just a, such a good job at, at, at thrilling our hearts with the gospel, with the message, with care for each other. But yet, dear God, some of these last things that he warns of are serious, they're real, and they need to be taken into consideration into our heart tonight. So help us tonight as we take just a few moments to do that. We will praise you for everything that you do. And God, we are always, always overwhelmed by your word, what it does, how it uh, builds our hearts and lives. And so use it tonight. Let us trust in it and not look to add anything. But let us, dear God, tonight trust in the sufficiency and the power of the word of God. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. So I want to, like I said, I want to start here and I want to go into this thing. And uh, I want us to focus on this for just a moment. Just as important as it is to have the right people in the church filling their place and, and, and their lives being filled and, and doing those things, we also have to recognize a really tough truth. And this is going to be hard because it goes against the grain of what we talk about. But if you look at it and if you understand the scriptures... And really, if you just study for a moment and think about it, you're going to know where I'm going with this. The fact of the matter is, is that church isn't for everyone. You're like, that sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard anybody say. Of course, church is for everyone, Mike. Well, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there go that, that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. That's the saved, born-again people who are going to find their way into the church and be a part of the body of Christ. Because the church is not you coming in and sitting in on a Sunday morning. The church is not you coming in and giving your tithe. The church is not you being baptized and getting put on our roll. The church 
is the body of Jesus Christ that is actively seeking the furtherance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. And that is not going to be for everyone. Okay? I know you still can't say amen to it, can you? You're just like, nope, I, I'm not going to do it. We're not going to do it tonight. But we have to understand that there are those because of their own rejection. Now, could the church be for everyone? Yes, it could be. Anyone who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, and, and, and walk in the light of righteousness, love their brother, all the things that 1 John talks about, if we look at those things, then yes, anyone can be a part of the church, but not everyone is going to be a part of the church. And as a matter of fact, as a Christian, as we walk through this time and as we walk through this world, Paul here is telling us there's going to be some people that the Christian needs to avoid. That's the word he put in there, right there. Did you see it? There it was, as big as day, right at the end of verse number 17. And avoid them. There's going to be people that we as Christians are going to have to say, you know what, these people are not good for our church. They're not good for our congregation. They are not helping us. We are not getting anywhere, we, however you want to look at it. And so they have to be avoided. So we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to look at this carefully because it's not an easy topic, is it? Because right off the get-go, you're already uncomfortable because you're saying, Mike has come in tonight and said, well, church isn't for everybody. And I know that's what I said, but you also know what I mean, don't you? And so we're going to look at that, though, and we're going to say, well, what is it? Because there's going to be those that are looking, that are going to have just, they're going to be toxic to a church. And so we're going to look at that. All right, number one, I want us to look at it this way. This is a little bit of a different outline. It doesn't flow super great, but it still made sense in my mind. So hopefully the outline will make sense to you. It's right out of the Word of God, just like always. So number one, he says, avoid them. Avoid them. For those that we are, that, that are toxic or for whatever reason, he says to avoid. Now, here's the big thing about this that I want you to notice. Paul has taken great lengths in the verses previous to list out and to speak about the people in that church by name, right? By name, who are building and uplifting that church. That's a real blessing when you go back into that. You know what? I also believe that there's nothing wrong every once in a while, whether it be from the pulpit or whether it be in a, diff in a certain way of congratulations or whatever, that we speak about the fact that guess what? This person has blessed our church in this way. The other thing that I always think is wonderful is when we stand up and the Lord gives us the freedom to give testimonies in our church. And people stand up and say, I just want the church to know that so-and-so was a real blessing in my life. And they ministered to me in this way. And it strengthened me and it helped me. Maybe I was going through this or that. But to call them by name and to speak that out and to encourage the church with this is what they are doing, it is a good thing. It's a great thing. And Paul does that and Paul speaks of that. But the flip side is also true that we see in this right here. When Paul says, hey, here's the people to avoid, what does he not do? He does not call their names. 
Hmm, you find that interesting? I certainly do. I think that there's a really big, huge lesson to be learned in that. That it is a part of the Christian walk and it is a part of the Christian lifestyle and it is a part of the Christian doing what he does that I am not looking to run down people. I'm just not looking to do that. I'm not trying to put somebody else down. It doesn't matter what I believe their walk is or is not with God. Paul does not come along here and say, now there are other passages of Scripture, and you are correct. This is not a precedent. There are other passages of Scripture where Paul will call certain people out, and he will say certain things, but it's careful, and it's, it's prescribed, and I'm not saying that it never happens, but Paul definitely here does not make a list and go, hey, I got a problem with all these people right here. He goes over and makes a list and says, these are all the people that were a blessing to me, but he doesn't come over here and say, here's all the people that I am unhappy with. Boy, I think that we need to take some note right off the bat, and we need to look and say to ourselves, yes, there are some people that I might need to avoid because my Christian walk demands it. Because they are, and we're going to talk about their characteristics here in just a moment, because their, their walk is not where it should be with the Lord, or, or, or however you view that. Maybe it's convictions. Uh, there can be a lot of different reasons. But mainly, what we're going to look at in those characteristics is that they are a detriment to the cause of Christ. And because of that, I don't walk with them. I avoid them, just as the Scripture said. But I'm not out to destroy them. I'm not out to destroy them. Remember what I said, what's going to make or break a church? It's people. And man, when people have an attitude that they have decided that if someone has done them wrong or if someone has bothered them in a certain way that they're going to go and talk to everybody in the church. Now, hey, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You get it on a Wednesday night. And I will say, if I, if I know anything about Nottingham being here, as long as I have been, it's that, that people here are careful with their speech towards each other. But here's the thing. We have decided that it is good to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Amen? And that means that we're going to start in a book and we're going to preach the whole thing. And if I just went and said, ah, you know, our people don't have a problem with that, I'm not going to preach that, then we would not be doing a serve, a, we would be doing a disservice to the Word of God. The Word of God has brought us to this passage of Scripture tonight. Amen? And so we're going to preach it. Amen? And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to say that hard thing that, guess what, uh, Christians, if we've got, even if we believe that those things are surely founded in the Word of God, it is not our job to go and run people down to other Christians inside of the church. It's not our job. There's plenty of scripture about backbiting and about gossiping that's to be found, and it's still in the Word of God. And what's going to destroy a church real quick is when folks decide that they don't like this one, and they're going to rally the troops on their side about what they think about it. You have already decided and marked that place for failure. It will ruin a church if we start picking teams in here. 
As a matter of fact, we got a whole book of 1 Corinthians that starts speaking about that. Paul is saying, some of you say you're of Apollos, some are saying that you're of me, and, and he says, listen, it is Jesus Christ who has saved every one of you. I didn't save any of you, and Apollos didn't save any of you. Stop picking sides. Stop it. And so, even with this, whatever it looks like, so we avoid that. What an amazing thing that he's done there, that we would avoid those people, but not out of any kind of desire to run them down. Now, number two, point number two. So number one, we're going to avoid them. We saw a little bit of that, how that plays out, the way the scripture teaches us that. Number two, we see in the scriptures the characteristics, and this is an important one. This one could probably be a message all by itself, but the characteristics of the people that we are supposed to avoid. All right, here we go. Verse number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, take note of them, right? Make sure that you have, you have put this down, not for everybody else, but for you. Mark them which cause divisions. Which cause divisions. That's the first characteristic of someone in the church that needs to be avoided is someone who causes division. Isn't it? Hey, let's just face it. Some people just love a controversy, don't they? You ever met some of them people? Oh, man, they can't, be, they can't wait to tell you about what happened to so-and-so. They can't wait to tell you the latest thing because it's, it's juicy tidbit or whatever. And they also like to share something with you that maybe, maybe it's going to upset you. Maybe, and I don't understand all of this. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not any of those things. I don't know if that makes them happy. I don't know if that's the only thing that they think that you two are going to talk about. I don't know what it is. I don't know what drives that. I don't know what Satan is doing inside of us that makes us desire that. But there are definitely those that just look to cause division. And they're poking and they're looking at this and they want to spread it. And we have a clear thing right here from the Word of God that those type of people are to be avoided in the church. This is not the place for them. As a matter of fact, the church is working desperately hard to have unity inside of the church. That's what we're looking for. That's why it's so important for us to understand our, where we're go, what we're doing, what the cause is, that the cause is the kingdom of God, that the, the cause is the furtherance of the gospel, so that that would remain at the forefront, so that all of us in here would have an understanding that this is our job. And if we're all moving towards that, we can move towards the same thing. But those that like to cause division, those that like to cause division for lots of reasons. Unfortunately, I know a lot of preachers that it seems like the only things that they want to talk about are the things that are divisive in their nature when it comes to theology. They want to talk about things. Uh, um, I mean, like I said, I don't want to go off on this too much, but they, they want to put things out there that people are always would be hot topic subjects or whatever, and they want to talk about Calvinism, and they want to talk about this, and it seems like it's always their idea to stir up trouble, to stir up trouble. And you guys already know this, but again, we're preaching, and we're using the Word of God, and we're letting ourselves remind our things, ourselves of those things. But there's sometimes when you watch people and everywhere they go, there's a problem. You start to 
narrowed down the most common denominator in that problem. Amen? It's people who cause division. And the word of God is clear that they are to be avoided. Number two, they are numbered in their characteristics, the second one. You'll notice there, they cause division. It says also, and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. They have an inability, listen, this is an important one. They have an inability to follow the doctrine that their church is teaching. Okay? That's a big one right there. Oh, man. Are you okay with me doing a little preaching tonight? Is everybody with me? Are you all right with me? Okay, amen. Thank you, Tom Clue. All right, amen. So, we understand and we know that each church has different convictions and different things that make that church unique. Amen? That's what, that's what makes, that's why we're not all gathering in one big church. Churches are going to be different. They're going to be people that have a mind to do the work of God. Some people prefer small churches and they find their way to those small churches and they work in them. Other, others enjoy uh, the, the busyness and the, uh, and the facilities and all of the amenities that a bigger church can be and they work inside of that church. But the church, a good church, ought to have a good statement of faith, amen? Ought to have some bylaws that they operate and thank God they still ought to have a church covenant, amen, that they operate by, amen. And with that, that means that when you come along to that church, you are saying that I will follow the convictions of that church. Oh my, boy did it get quiet, amen. Because that's why they're, if you don't like the convictions that we've laid out, that we have decided that we're going to worship by, that we're going to enhance the kingdom by, I guarantee you there's another church that's got plenty of other things that they're going to do. And they're going to do it different, and they'll probably meet their need. But the unchristian thing to do is to come into our church and not follow what we are doing here. Amen. I know, I know, it's some hard preaching, but it's real preaching. Amen. Because the Lord has given us a lot of liberty, and I understand that, and we've already preached that. We've already looked at that. And I'm not telling you that the church down the road that does it different is wrong. I'm not telling you that at all. That might be the place for you. This is such a weird sermon, isn't it? I'm literally just like, maybe you belong somewhere. <laughs> That is not what I'm saying. But what I want us to understand and what I want us to see from the scripture is that God has given us an, uh, 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 these churches and they're following their convictions to serve the Lord in the best that they can according to the doctrine of the word of God. And man, there's nothing that ruins churches more or hurts churches is when a group come in and they decide that they're going to take over a church. That is not your job. Go start your own church, okay? All right? Go do your thing somewhere else or go find a church that you fit in. But the church, God is blessed. And I'm just using us as an example. God is blessed, Nottingham, operating under the convictions and under what God has led them to do and the doctrines for quite a while. Has God blessed around here? Amen. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right, there's some things that we just need to understand that these things that God has blessed. And so when we come into a place to worship 
or when we're dealing with individuals in Christ. I went and preached at a church this weekend and there was a lot of things that they did different. I didn't get in the pulpit and blast them for it and tell them how wrong they were. No, I love them. That's their church. Amen, it's their church. Anyway, I preached on that one long enough and you're ready to move on, aren't you? Amen, amen. We got all real quiet. All right. Now, the other characteristic, third characteristic, is found there in verse number 18. For they are, they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, so they don't serve the Lord, but they serve their own belly. That is one very poetic way of saying that they fulfill the desires that they want. They satisfy themselves. Church is a place to get a lot of the things that we need. Amen? It is. It provides us with a lot of the things that are necessary for, for just us as humans to operate. Community and love, uh, belonging, all of those things are a part of it. But the main goal of you being in the church is for you to serve the Lord. I know it's a cliche, and I know it's all of those things, but guess what? The church is not necessarily here to serve you and to necessarily make everything better and do all that. It w there's a lot that it will do for you. There is. But it is the instrument that God has ordained that you would fulfill your service to Jesus Christ. What have we already read? Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. The house of God and the church or the body of Jesus Christ is that instrument then or that tool where you come into that place and you find out where you can serve, where you can go, and what you can do. And if you come into the church because you just need to be satisfied and have all of your needs met and you need all of your, uh, whatever you want to call it, just met uh, and all of those things, all of your fancies met, whatever you want to say, then you are missing the point. You've got the cart before the horse. It, he will satisfy all of your needs, I promise you. But first you've got to serve him with all your heart. You've got the cart before the horse, and you've got to get it the right way around, or it's never going to work. They serve their belly. And then notice this, and this one's really sad. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. And that one's really sad. It's sad when people get a following, because some people just won't study the Bible. I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're simple-minded because they're not bright. I'm saying it's because they just won't study the Bible. There's a lot of people that will follow. Notice what he says. They're good words and fair speeches. There's a lot of people that will follow a lot of preachers just because they're good at standing behind the pulpit and giving a good word, and they can dynamically speak and do great things. If you turn your TV on on a Sunday morning, you're going to see a lot of those guys. And that when, when it says that they're deceiving the simple, it doesn't just mean that there's 
that they're not smart people who are following them. What it means, it's those that, oh yeah, I would that you were wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. That's what he's talking about. See, he's not, he's not saying that you're, you're not smart there. He's saying, no, that your understanding is simple of that thing. And the same is true here in this thing. They're simple in the word of God. They have no idea if the doctrine that is coming out of there is of God or not because they don't study the Bible. They're more concerned with what their church looks like, if they've got the right kind of aesthetics. And I'm going to tell you what, that is one thing. And, I, man, I enjoyed some of this preaching I was listening to this week. Don't worry about the style of a church. Style, style appeals to the flesh. Style appeals... Worry about the substance of the church. The substance of the church. You're going to find all kinds of different styles of worship out there. And, and, and you know what's amazing? It's God really does honor them all. We, those of you that have been to Grenada with us, and the, the style of worship is so different. So different. But God honors it. What is, why does he honor it? Because the substance is in glorifying Jesus Christ. It's so important that we understand that. So they've, they've deceived the simple. Now, lastly, you might say to yourself, Mike, is there any way, is there any, any way for restoration and obedience and victory out of these people? And I really do believe that there are those that, that can come out of that, that, that it's not that all hope is lost for them. And if there are those that are walking uh, and they're causing division, they're having these things, then verse number 19 can speak to it. He says, for your obedience, if we will be obedient unto God, he can absolutely change our hearts and our minds. God has the way. Does he not? We know it. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has the ability. Do you, and I hope that we do really believe this. God has the ability to make us think different. He does. So many times people say, I believe that the word of God has the ability to make us feel different. You've heard people go, oh, that's just how I feel. You're not going to change that. Well, I, I think that the word of God can change the way that we feel. I think it can change the way that we think. As a matter of fact, I don't want to get on it tonight, but fasting is an amazing. If you do some research on what happens when we fast, the body, the mind starts to do amazing things. You go about 24 hours, 30 hours without food, and that little thing in your stomach that's sending the signal to your brain that you're hungry, your brain actually emits a chemical that just stops that. It says you're not hungry. You're literally changing the chemical makeup of your brain when you fast. Imagine that God knew that all those years ago. We're talking about people all the time with chemical imbalances in the brain. God's like, hey, maybe you should fast. Oh, yeah, remember I told you in the Old Testament how that's a good practice to do. Not just when you're in trouble, but it's a good practice to do. Hmm, boy, it got quiet again. Anyway, obedience, restoration, and victory can be had if we obey him. But also, I just want to point this out, the victory that's there. Verse number 20, absolutely love this. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet 
shortly. Well, listen to the, to the reference that Paul is making. You understand the reference. Don't you? Who bruised Satan's? Who bruised Satan? Not us. But yet in this passage of scripture, he's saying that it's under your feet that Satan will be bruised. He is giving you some ability in your life that through obedience to the word of God, that through obedience to him, that you can even have victory in your life over the pleas and the ploys that Satan is putting into your life. That is a great amount of victory that God wants to give you. He is not saying that Jesus Christ is going to come along and crush Satan's head because of who he is. He's already done that. What he is saying is because he has already done that, you can experience that same kind of victory too. You can have the, the joy and the knowledge of knowing that it's under your foot that his head is crushed. He is helping you to have that kind of victory. I love that. I love that passage. I, I'm going to probably preach on that more later on down the road. But we're going to finish with this. People build or people tear down. What people are we? What people are we? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Derek, you don't even need to come. We're just going to close with a, with a few moments. We've looked at the word of God. We've preached it plainly. Now we're just going to give it a few moments to let it sink into our heart. If you need to move, the altar is always open. We always want to make you feel welcome to come down to the altar and pray. Right now, we'll just take a few moments. Let God's word sink in. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his own son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Oh.